So welcome to Pod Potatoes here at the Pinball Museum in Las Vegas Pinball Hall of Fame. Pinball Hall of Fame on Las Vegas Boulevard in Las Vegas with comedian Chris Fumagalli. <laughs> How's it going? You can hear the machines going off in the background. And we're gonna play we're gonna play a little kiss. We're gonna play a little more kiss. He was telling me the hit, the history of the Kiss Machine, how it was redone. When did they redo it? How, when did, was this one made? Well, this and one when was did probably they redo made it? in the 70s, like 78 maybe. This one's pretty lame. I guess that's playing rock and roll all night and party every day. But uh, it, doesn't have, uh, it doesn't have Gene Simmons' tongue where you can hit it with a ball. It doesn't have uh, any flame shooting out of Gene Simmons' mouth. It doesn't have uh, uh, any uh, Star Child guitar on there. It's really kind of sad as far as little gimmicks go, but I guess it's about what they used to do then. And I'm losing really bad. I'm eating, I'm eating it here, man. I'm eating it on this kiss machine. It's not. It's going right down the gutter. It's all that, but there's not much to do on this machine anyway. You just yeah, hit. you can play the newer one. Oh, I'm sure it's in here. I'll try to find it. Yeah, I'll show you. They should have that. I believe they should have that. Oh, come on. Yeah. I like the early uh, Black Sabbathy kind of kiss. And later on, they lost me, and I could tell it was no longer Ace Freely playing on the albums and uh, so that's not that's not Ace oh, like when playing. Vinnie Vincent replaced him? Yeah well that was it was this guy named Kulak who Kulak. was maybe oh, okay. going to be in the in the band but then they heard Ace but then Ace got so fucked up on dope that he would show up and pass out in the studio maybe they could wake him up and get a solo out of him but after about the mid 70s you know when you got all those impulses when you're young and everyone wants to fuck you and you know you're just a mess you know when you get all the money you could possibly want well there was a couple of stories i had about kiss kiss used to go through el paso and perform and one time uh, somebody threw something at gene simmons and he stopped the show and he said, who the fuck threw that at me? <laughs> and they found the guy, they cornered him or held him down, and then Gene got off off the stage with his platform uh, uh, shoes and uh, hit probably, him. yeah, hit him, knocked him around a little bit, and then went back up and continued to play. <laughs> I was at the first show where Guns N' Roses played in L.A. I was at a street scene festival in downtown L.A., and I threw dog poop at them. It was just dog poop. <laughs> it was in downtown L.A., and they had these stages set up. They used to do these street scene festivals, and I would go to the punk stage. And for some reason, they had them playing at the punk stage, and there was this dog poop, so I kept throwing dog poop at them. And they were, who threw that dog poop? It said, me right here. And I just kept throwing more dog poop at them. So that was their first concert in L.A. where I got the dog poop at Guns N' Roses. And they were horrible. And uh, then I saw them open for the Dickies. And then fortunately there was no dog poop in there for me to throw. <laughs> but they kept saying, we're a rock and roll band. And the Dickies came out and said, 
Yeah, we're a punk rock band. And well, speaking, speaking of Guns N' Roses, really Guns N' Roses, like... Uh, Guns N' Roses, Dickies, and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wow. Guns N' Roses were barely known then. Yeah. The, well, Guns N' Roses, speaking of pinballs, Guns N' Roses had a pinball game that came out in the early 90s. And it had like Gilby rolls and stuff like that. It was it was okay, but it was it was uh, it's a little bit more modern than this Kiss uh-huh. pinball here. But they redid it, and about two three years ago, uh, they they have a, a newer version of Guns N' Roses, and it's actually pretty good. But well, I, they don't have that machine here. It's too new, but uh, but it is around. I uh, they have them at uh, if you ever go to Los Angeles, they have these places called A Y C E Goji, all you can eat uh, Korean barbecue. Uh-huh. It costs like thirty bucks a plate, but um, in the back they have a um, an area of pinballs, and they oh, really? have the Guns N' Roses well, one. If you go there, I Toy could throw Story some dog at it. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could. Uh, Rush. <laughs> Led Zeppelin, uh, Mandarin is a, a Mandalorian, I mean, uh, the new Avengers pinball game. Uh, they've got one for Vikings, like Valhalla or something like yeah. that. Yeah? Yeah. Is there any punk pinball machines like The Clash or Sex Pistols? No, or... but, but that that would be a, a probably a pretty good idea, though. Right next to us over here is a Playboy machine. This one looks pretty lame, too. Pretty early 70s. Well, Play, Playboy, you know, the thing with Playboy that they've had three machines. They had Playboy, they had the 25th anniversary, and then they had like the 50th anniversary of Playboy. And, and the 50th one had like a little centerfold thing that would pop out and it would actually show oh, really? a, a, a nude woman on it. Oh, and, really? And they had it at the family center arcade that went off of Vermont and uh, Santa Monica. Oh, really? I yeah, really wish I, I would have seen that. Yeah, because at that at that location, that's when like uh, Aerosmith and Star Wars just came out, and uh, they had, um, uh, what else did they have? Uh, Monopoly, they had uh, uh, Crazy Coaster, you know, um, I'm trying to think of what else they had. Oh, uh, The Sopranos, they had that pinball machine there at that time. But I remember oh man, I, I just ate it at this uh, yeah, Playboy. You... I got zero points, man. I really ate it because yeah. I was distracted. But I'm not a very good pinball player anyway. But well, these well these type of pinballs, man. They, they the the odds of you popping it like here, you can see you got to get 280,000 points, and you you pretty much all three balls was like 36,000. Right. It was nothing. You, you have to get at least a hundred thousand every every play, and you can see like like if you hit that, you only get five thousand for that, and it has to be lit up in order to, to get. That. And then I don't even get to see a naked lady. There's no yeah, there's no naked ladies. Let's go over here and play this one. Let's play the. Uh, see now this is a pinball machine here. Yeah. Creature. This is creature of the black lagoon. Yeah, creature of the black lagoon. How I used to play this a lot this in the early play? 70s, uh, two, 50 cents. Really, this was in the early 70s? This no, no, around? early 90s. Early 90s. Yeah, this came out like in 91, 92. Well, this is pretty complex, this one. Oh! See, you know, the, thing, the nice thing with, the, with this type of pinball is that it gave you a free pass, so you can actually... Yeah, if you lose your ball within like 30 seconds, they let you. They let uh, me live still. Yeah, they. they and I'm I'm doing set. terrible. They, it didn't do me any good. I'm just losing it. I'm I'm dying yeah. here. I'm dying. 
dying. I'm dying up here. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Pretty well, bad. See, see the the key to to um, creature from the black lagoon is oh, you got to get all going. the letters in the film. It just keeps going right in the gutter, man. So no good. yeah, but you got the yeah, you got the you got the ball save, and they show like a, a, a what is it? Hipster, he's all like, it's all cool, Daddy O. Oh man, oh really? Yeah. Not even yeah, saying like, it. Yeah, like when they showed like the, you know. Oh, I'm just blowing it so bad on them. Yeah, on what the mean? road, Jack Kerouac, that type of thing. And it shows a guy with a goatee and the glasses and stuff. They have another thing. I that just says, read Move that recently. Jack you know? Kerouac. Yeah, see, it's all cool, Daddy O. Oh, I'm just blowing it really bad. With oh, just tonight, I'm just doing really terrible at my pinball game. Because I'm, because I'm podcast. I'm trying to get up that ramp right there. Oh, look what I did, and then I messed it up. Oh, I'm just blowing it. We'll have you play one, and then maybe. Yeah, I'll play this. All right, let me play this one. That way you can. Yeah. See, and at the end, it shows a car going away. And oh man, you were close on the match. Well, I hope there's not too much uh, background noise here, but uh, we are at the pinball museum, playing pinball. So we'll see what oh. happens. This place needs to be darker, I think, you know? All right, there we go. Oh, there Get we go, we went up the little ramp. Yeah. I was playing the, the, some other ones there earlier, and the flippers didn't have enough mustard on them to get up the uh, ramps. Right. And I was trying to get up the ramps on the Flintstones and stuff, and they're, they're a little old. I don't know, they gotta make tighten the rubber bands in there or something, whatever it is. They do. Oh, you make it. No, I'm trying to get specifically. I'm trying to get it into that holder. Oh, oh, no, I gotta do it. So, again. what what websites do you go to if you want to hear about pinball? Is there some good pinball website? No, well, there's the social media. You know, through Instagram, there's a guy from Spain that sets up a lot of these machines. You know, he's like the like the engineer behind it. So he'll get the pieces from like Stern or Jersey Jack or whatever. And uh, uh, he'll set up, he'll set it up, and then he shows like everything he's setting up. Oh, here's the kiss one. Oh no! Ah. Oh no! It doesn't have a, uh, a block or a stopper. So yeah, well, it, you know how like on the left hand side sometimes they have the uh, uh, kickback. That's what they call it. Right. See, Not here. And see, one of the things with the newer style, so the replay is 300 million. I'm at 12 million. Uh, there's no way I'm going to get the 300 million, <laughs> which I think is pretty high for a creature of the Black Lagoon, but because it's been out for over 30 years, there's a lot of people that are very good at it, at this one in particular. Well, as you come by the Pinball Museum more often, I wonder what this little car does up here. No, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the car thing. I think it might be either move your car or lock the car. There's a little car. Oh, someone dropped all their quarters. Now there's a big quarter mess on the floor. And all the pinball people are diving for their quarters. <laughs> no, those are his friends helping out. But yeah, there's a car on this creature uh, well, the Black Lagoon. No, yeah, yeah, well, the, well, just like the. the James Bond one with the car. That one actually would do something. That's just more of like just an aesthetic. Yeah. 
The James yes. Bond one we were playing yesterday had a car, and the ball, if you got it underneath the car, would shoot up out of the top of the car. It was kind of a, a passenger eject seat, an ejector seat, like you have in the Batmobile. Where's the Batman? I'm sure there's a Batman yeah. pinball. Uh, Is that it? Did you lose? Is it over? Yeah, it's over. All right, let's. It's probably too noisy in here. Maybe we should. Should we keep playing or should we go? I got a couple quarters left. Why not? How about 007? That looks actually yeah, not that is, interesting. Well, this is yeah, this is the older one, the one that came out uh, when Goldeneye came out in the late 90s. How about Star Wars? Let's play some Star Wars. Star Wars had a, had this one. Uh, there's a new one that came out um, back in 15 seconds and then there's. I, I'm not getting this to work at all. I'm not getting this to happen. It's just taking my quarter. There you go. Oh, yeah. it's gone. Yeah, go ahead. There you go. All right. Oh, it goes right Wait, down the gutter. I guess I cannot safe. podcast. Oh. I cannot podcast. And what is this handle? Is this an R2D2 yeah. handle? Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. R2D2 have a little yeah, handle. Depending on the game, they may have a gear shift, you know, like a high-speed. Yeah, the 007, they have a little gun to shoot the ball in there. Oh, see, I couldn't get it up that little ramp. It's just not enough mustard to get it up that ramp. Let's see if I can now. I hit the ramp. Yeah, I know that they've... Yeah, Star Wars has got about three or four. There's about two or three pinball games. There's this one, and then there was another one. Uh, they've... They've got the video game, they also have the Mandalorian pinball, so... Does it say, I am your father? <laughs> That's like the most famous line of a movie. That's like, me, Tarzan, you, Jane, of our generation is, I am yeah. your father. See if we can get this to go. We got another ball. There we go. Power approaching. Oh, it's kind of tricky. You gotta pull the handle down and push the little button on the side of the handle. These are little round bumpers. Those should be little spaceships instead of those round red bumpers. Those should be like, you know, little, what are those? In the, the ones where the villains were in, you know? Uh-huh. They're round, they're kind of round, you know what I mean? Right. I did play a Star Wars one. Oh, there's a big R2-D2 up there. What, yeah. is it, what does it do, do you know? And it has dice. It has some dice in front of it. I don't think that's official right there. I think that was added by somebody. I think that was added as a joke by somebody who works here. Well, fixes they, this you machine. know, depending on who works on the machine, they may have to keep like a certain weight on it. So maybe they do that to, to keep the ball from hitting that. I so. guess that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I'm sunk. Yeah, a lot of these uh, uh, the games here at the Pinball Hall of Fame, they do three. Then they have Black Knight 2000, and then they have like the Black Knight Forever. So just like um, uh, Playboy, there's like three incarnations of the same product with the same name, you know. Really? This guy, yeah. you, know, you know a lot about, uh, this one looks really neat, but this one's... Uh, well, yeah, this is Elvira. This, this is, is Elvira. Newer, this is the newer one. That's the one that came out in the early 90s. This one has lots, this one has monsters and stuff, and this is good. It has little, the flippers have little skeleton 
fingers on top of them. Right. Looks pretty neat, but they don't have it working right now, which is too bad. Yeah, well, I, I mean, the thing, the thing about the Pitbull Hall of Fame here is that it's it all the monies that are collected here outside of probably covering the the overhead cost for like electric and whatnot. Uh, this goes specifically to the uh, Salvation Army of Las Vegas. Oh, really? So the monies that are collected here goes to that. They need they to their original location off of uh, off of Tropicana. Uh, Let's go outside. Yeah. Uh, they had the original location off of Tropicana, just past uh, uh, Maryland Parkway, and. Uh, Oh, they're putting in a bar at the Pinball Museum. They're well, moving up in the world. Know, hey, hey know, pretty cool. That's yeah. good. Well, and they got so it's probably a private event because they've got also a DJ booth here. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Black, Black Knight Sword of Rage is oh, the latest. Here's the other one. Kiss one. Look yeah, at that. Yeah. See, this is the Kiss one Jim that Simmons I was showing Kong, you about. Yeah. And it's got uh, it's it's got these same things from the old one. Right. <laughs> like, it's got these, the same four little round things with a ball bounces back and forth right. with the faces of Kiss on it. And then it's got uh, Paul up there, yep. but no Ace. There's no Ace no figurine Chris. up there and no Chris. Well, Ace and Chris, I think, by this point, had left the band. So there's really, they're just pushing. They're well, not just only pushing that, but I think. Gene and Paul. Well, not only that, but Chris was like. 10 years older than the guys too man yeah he was too old he uh what well, was just like it's like uh mick mars mick mars is like 10 years older than all the other members of motley crew so what's going on let's see any of the audio from the mic okay open system settings uh we're getting audio all right we're doing fine i think maybe so, well, one thing that I want to say about Kiss is that versus AC, well, versus ACDC, when you would play it, you could select a song. Kiss, not only can you select a song, but you can select the concert venue. Oh, really? Yeah, a specific one, like, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, the U.S. Jam or what, whatever. You know, I, was or Kiss or the first uh, rock and roll machine, specific band, pinball machine, do you think? Or was it the Beatles or something? Uh, no, I, I don't remember seeing a Beatles pinball game. However, right before the pandemic, there was a pinball game called 1964 that, that kind of emphasized Beatlemania. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a, I, I've only seen that at the Pinball Expo. I think Kiss was the first uh, rock band pinball machine. Well, and at that same time, too, you had like Harlem Globetrotters and you had Dolly Parton. Dolly had her, you know... Um, you know, he'll come again. Would play, you know, on on there. So. You can, you can uh, hit hit the ball in her knockers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was our goal. Well, the whole thing about you know why her feet are so small. Nothing grows under the shade. You know, oh really? Yeah. How can you tell Dolly Parton's kids in a room full of people? You know, they're the ones with stretch marks. Ha ha ha! Yeah, I meant. These are like jokes I was telling like uh, when I was in like sixth grade and shit. That's good. No, that's, I like that kind of humor. <laughs> that's good stuff. Let's go sit over here. Oh, look, now there's a, there's a food car out yeah. here. A yeah. fuck you burger or fuku burger outside of the pinball museum. But I don't see where you're supposed to order. I guess well, around, around the other here. side. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of interesting because I've never seen... 
the Pinball Hall of Fame uh, uh, have so many other things outside of the pinball, but it deserves it. Yeah, it should. It should have... I mean, you could pretty much see the name Pinball from space, you know, because it's that huge. I mean, the letters are easily, you know, 30 feet tall. And then uh, their sign is done up like a casino. And, uh, yeah, they should have uh, permanent. I think that bar they have in there should be a permanent fixture. Well, I think that, that it's a special event. They they normally they normally have um, uh, like a soda machines and stuff and ice cream bars and stuff like that that you can purchase. You, so usually, like when I would come into town when it's like 110 outside, 120, I'd, I'd go outside and get a smoke. And then when I'd go back in, I'd buy an RC Cola. It's one of the few places where you can purchase RC Cola at like a, you know, a soda, soda machine and stuff. Yeah, they should have vending machines in there too. That would be good. Well, they do. Yeah, they they off to the uh, left when you go over there, man. Really? Yeah, yeah. If you want to go and get a, I think RC is like a dollar, dollar twenty-five or something. And then they have a couple of other things like you can take a penny, and uh, for fifty-one cents you can take a penny and they'll stretch it out and it'll say Pinball Hall of Fame on it. And then they have, I don't know if you remember as a kid, but they used to have like these coin things where you can stamp your name on it. Yeah. And, I remember they would yeah. stretch them out. No, no, the, no. It was like a little star thing with holes in it, but it, but it, basically you can punch your your name in I it. I never like saw it, one of those. Yeah, you would move it. All, I think uh, I could show you inside, but they move it over to your initial, and then you would stamp it, and then you would move to the next letter and stamp it. They used then, to have a train, I think, at Knott's Berry Farm, and everyone would go out and put the uh, uh, put pennies and stuff on the tracks. And then the train would run over them and they'd have like flattened out pennies from Knott's Berry Farm. But I think eventually they stopped people from doing it. Sure. But uh, but it was an area where it kind of came up onto some pavement where it was like a road. Uh -huh. And then you'd go on the train and they'd have fake robbers come on and rob you and stuff. And, oh, okay. And uh, there'd be some arrows or something that would shoot at you or something like that. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, they'd have like fake gun shows and stuff. Yeah, like you know? the Wild West, and I remember they had Camp Snoopy, and they had the Soapbox Derby. Um, I went there back in 2011 with uh, when I saw my friend Jeff, who at the time when he was uh, uh, alive was living in Ridgecrest, which is where I live now. Um, he he wound up getting a DUI. And uh, so when I came in the town, he said, Chris, I, I, can you drive for me? Because I can't. So I had to drive everybody from Ridgecrest down to uh, Knott's Berry Farm. So him and his son and, and a couple of other people, the, uh, one of the guys that he worked with. And he had just met a girl through World of Warcraft. And uh, uh, she came out from uh, Australia. Oh, really? Yeah. And the thing I remember was that... Uh, Somewhere around like five or six, you know, the kid's getting hungry because Seth at the time was like six or seven. He was he was kind of hungry. So uh, we went over to In-N-Out Burger just outside of out of um, Knott's Berry Farm. And uh, 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 I remember the girl saying, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat. And so, 
So we, I think it, she got like some type of vegan wrap. I think you know off of the secret menu from from uh, yeah um, uh, In and Out, you can get something where you, you get I guess just basically lettuce, tomato, and you know I guess French fries in it and, and eat it that way. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, because you can't put cheese on it because oh that came from a cow that type of thing. So, but uh, we we went back in there and they had a. They had a ride called uh, the Accelerator, and the thing I remember was was that uh, uh, while I was going around and looping around, I, I kept on yelling out "Affleck, Affleck!" <laughs> like that. So it was pretty funny. And then, uh, and the thing was was that I noticed that when people would get in line, they wanted to be in pairs. They wanted to be together, so there'd be open seats in it. And finally. Uh, Jeff calls me on the cell phone and says, dude, we got to get back to Ridgecrest because it's like a three-hour drive. So I basically cut the line like 20 people and jumped in one of the empty spots and then jumped and did the Aflac thing. And then I ran over to meet him at the front and then we, we took off back uh, back to uh, Ridgecrest. There. I used to have a pass, a yearly pass, that I got for like 30 bucks with a Coke can special right. mm -hmm. at at Magic Mountain right. and I used to go up there on the the days where they would have the least people there so I'd go there and I'd just go on all the rides 10 times because there was no lines and yeah. I would just keep going back and you know ride even 10 20 times on certain rides yeah. and they were really sadistic those rides it was very terrifying like you'd go off the edge of a off the cliff and then instead of going down like a hill it would turn around and you'd be upside down i remember <laughs> that one that was pretty fucking scary <laughs> so like they made sure that you know you were stuck and they had some kind of contraption around you those make me claustrophobic like i'm gonna get stuck you know in fact there were i hear about that and people would get stuck yeah. on the ride and i had a uh, magic mountain and uh they would get Throw, they would get uh, stuck upside down for like an hour or something until mm -hmm. the paramedics could get up there and get them out or something like that. That was always a nightmare for I was always afraid to get in there. I remember once there was a, when they had the Colossus in Magic Mountain when they first opened it up, there was some like woman that was four feet tall and she weighed 500 pounds mm -hmm. and she managed to, she died because she managed to actually get out from underneath the bar because mm -hmm. she was so fat, mm -hmm. they didn't squish the bar down on enough of her fat to hold her in there. And they said she was terrified trying to get out. So she got out of the, managed to get out of the thing and actually died and got decapitated on one of the uh, the things. So that was pretty funny. I was always, we were always trying to figure out where it was that she got decapitated when we went on Colossus. And we used to ask the guy, hey, where did the girl get decapitated? Is there a plaque? You know, and stuff like that. Yeah, or, was there a picture? You know how, like, you go out and Yeah, is there a picture <laughs> of the decapitation? Do you have it on, you know? <laughs> and uh, they, because we were like punk rockers, and we would go there, and uh, I was going out with this girl named Ellie that I met at a Mentors concert. And the Mentors were this disgusting band that would be as disgusting as they possibly could. They were very funny, and uh, I met her there, and I started going out with her, and she was from Germany, uh -huh. and she used to cuss in German, mm -hmm. so she was going, learning English at uh, Hollywood High 
So I was in her 20s and she was 17 or 18, something like that. Uh-huh. And uh, I was 20 and I was just going to art college. And she was 17, so she was underage. And she was just, everything was a cuss word, but all in a heavy, heavy German accent. And we used to go out to punk rock concerts together. You fucking bitch! And that's, you know, stuff like that. And it was like, so we would go to Magic Mountain. I didn't have any money. But it was like, it was $17 if you had a Diet Pepsi can or something like that. So we'd go there, and she would bum change in the... In the, I was a useless punk rocker. I didn't have any. I was supposed to be paying for her, but I barely had a few bucks to pay for her. And then she would just bum the rest. She was amazing at bumming chains of people. They would just give her. She'd go up to families, and they'd all just give her a bunch of money. So she got her $17 right away, and we got in. And what we used to have to do is they had no punk rocker. Uh, like a tire? Like a no punk rocker restriction. You couldn't be a punk rocker and go in there. So we would say, no, we're new wave. We're not punk. So we would like, <laughs> you'd like put hats over our, like a beanie cap over our shaved head mohawks and uh-huh. stuff like that to like hide it. And then when you got in there, you'd put your mohawk up in the, in the bathroom with the blow dryer and some aqua net. And then you take, you know, you'd put your stuff on mm-hmm. because you, you would just put it in a purse or something like your spiked belts and stuff like that because they wouldn't let you in, right? Right. And you take your 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 uh, shoes, I mean your pant legs, instead of tucking them into the 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 knee high boots, punk rock boots you had, you would put them over the boot, you know. And then when you got in, you tuck them into your boot so you'd look like a punk rocker. So that was our. So we had to like get past the. Uh, the thing, the uh, the restrictions of no punk rockers at... Uh, at Magic Mountain. At Magic Mountain. And then, that was later on when I had the monthly pass. And I had that for a few months. For some reason, I kept renewing it, I think, because I was running a punk rock record store on Hollywood Boulevard. And it used to close, and I would it would be a half an hour if you just got past you know, you, you it was still open because I would close my store at 8 or 9. And Magic Mountain was open until 10 or 11. Right. And I would just go there and just go on the rides like a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. I remember once I saw what used to be a punk rock band playing there when I went with my family in the early 80s. And it had, it was, they were called Red Rockers. And uh-huh. they have a punk, they were from New Orleans and they have a punk single and a punk album. I think they moved to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong because there's so many millions of punk bands. But I saw them play there and they kind of cleaned up their act a little bit. We're playing a little bit more, more new, new wavy, more mainstream. Right. But they were still pretty good. I remember that that I saw the Red Rockers uh-huh. at, uh, at the uh, Magic Mountain. I never saw them play at like a punk show, though. But they were on 415 Records in San Francisco. They may have been from San Francisco, but for some reason I'm thinking they were originally from New Orleans. There were a lot of punk bands, including the Dead Kennedys and Millions of Dead Cops, that moved from Texas originally, mm-hmm. or Chicago. Originally, Jello Biafra was from Chicago, and he was in a band in Chicago, the singer of the Dead Kennedys. And he moved to San Francisco. A lot of people, a lot of weirdos and creative people 
would move to San Francisco then yeah. just to be because it was accepted and a lot of them formed punk bands. A lot of punk bands uh, heard that the scene was really good and you could actually get paid to be a punk rock band in San Francisco. So they would move to San Francisco like the Lude were originally, I believe, from New Orleans and they moved to San Francisco and they merged with a band in San Francisco called Versus, which was an all-girl punk rock band who had a single out and then they got was it visa versa what was her name no that was a singer visa versa was a singer of the poison girls which were a 70s 80s anarcho punk band from the united kingdom but anyway they merged and they got a female bass player and i actually saw the lewd once when the album for the misfits okay and the original misfits not the mtv misfits not that that's not a good band back when glenn danzig was glenn skinny. danzig <laughs> was singing and doyle was on bass and of course i know uh, doyle was on guitar and robo was on drums and jerry only, only was on bass and he's the original right now if you go to see the Misfits, a lot of times Jerry only will be the only original member of the band because he tried to get another guitarist in the band. Yeah, the Misfits so were going to perform. Yeah, Misfits were going to perform something for for New uh, Year's Eve, but then they they uh, they weren't able to. I they guess. don't get along with each other. Those well, guys. plus you know they're they're over sixty now, so there's a lot of health concerns, obviously. And I think it was Glenn Danzig that, that brought up like the health concern aspect. Um, recently, uh, Pantera got back together, even though that the um, uh, Daryl Dimebag, you know, the the brothers basically have both passed away. So that's oh really? Yeah, the only person pretty much is Phil Anselmo. Is it the singer? No, well the singer's still alive, but the uh, uh, um, uh, Dimebag and and his brother, who were the other two players, you know, there's another guy in the I band. I was never a fan of. Uh... Well, Dimebag, Dimebag was killed while he while Di, Damage Plan. It was like just as Pantera was splitting up, Damage Plan came out. They had a single, and in early two thousand and five, they were at a, a you know some show, and a guy came in and and uh, uh, killed Dimebag and like three or four other people. And luckily, there was a, a deputy sheriff nearby, and the deputy sheriff killed him. Wow. You know, yeah, that we talk about mass shootings and like what happened, you know, at the uh, uh, the place there in Monterey Park, and then up in up in the the Bay Area with the mushroom farms. Uh, well, the Misfits, you know, they were just a tiny punk band, and they, he said he took his first album around to all the re record companies. Mm -hmm. They started out in '76, '77. And they used to play at CBGBs. Okay. And, you know, with the Ramones and these other Blondie. places, yeah. Blondie and the Talking Heads and all right. that stuff, they were part of that scene. But they uh, they said, uh, every one of the record companies told them, you'll never have a career in music. It's just a wall of noise. And he said, oh, that sounds really good. But it, it didn't stop them. And they know it put out the album. So some of the stuff from their first album ended up going on just a bunch of singles. And then they toured America a bunch of times, but they uh, were just basically a tiny punk band. They would headline punk shows at some of the bigger punk venues. But the thing is, then they became popular after they broke up in 84, 85, and they became this huge cult, and everyone wanted them to get back together. And then when they finally did, 
the first place that they played when the original members of the band got back together or the most fa with the most famous guitarists, they had quite a few guitarists, was uh, Madison Square Garden. And mm -hmm. so they were a little there. I, you know, I used to see them in, you know, little tiny places. Yeah. Even do, you, played. do you have like any, you know, because you sell uh, old uh, vinyl and stuff, do you have anything like California Uber Alice or Fire Truck or Too Drunk to Fuck? Or? I have I have a lot of some Dead Kennedy singles still, but I sold all my Misfit singles because I needed $500, which is sad now because now they're thousands of dollars. If I would have held on to them and not sold them, but you know, I had no idea they would go so up like to something like four thousand dollars. Green Hell, or yeah, whatever. that was Green Hell was the from the the second album. They, that was kind of broke up the band because they were going in a thrash metal direction, and Glenn Danzig didn't want to do that. He, he wanted, wanted to do more rockabilly kind. He wanted to to do like early '77 punk rock, but with goth and gloom right. influences in it. So he formed a band called. Sam Hain uh -huh. and I saw Sam Hain on their first tour uh, when they came around and I saw them at the Roxy I believe which is actually a pretty small venue and I saw them there and they were great and a lot of the people didn't even know that they used to be the Misfits it was a completely different crowd mm -hmm. that didn't even know that Glenn Danzig and the songwriter and the singer of the band used to be the singer of the Misfits. The people there didn't even know. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had an album where they were like painted white and covered in blood. It was red paint, but it was blood, fake blood. And then a lot of other bands kind of copied it, mm -hmm. the Dwarves and stuff like that. There was a huge... Uh, that, and now those records too are worth, you know, some of them thousands of dollars. And I sold them all because I needed my rent. You know, I wish I would have held on to them, you know. If we sell a few of those, I could buy a, a, another car, you know. But sure. all my other records that I have, my other 20,000 Pug Rock records I have are all going up in value. So they sell, you know, for... So I sell, you know, a couple... I sell those to get by, to make a living in doing comedy. So... Yeah. Well, one of the things about uh, vinyl sales, actually, I think it was like a, either last year or the year before was the first time where vinyl actually came back up because uh yeah they thought that they were going to end it yeah you know like they thought the misfits were gone and that's a really weird story about the misfits because the misfits were nobodies mm -hmm. no one had ever heard of them outside the cult of punk rock where they were stars there but then just from people trading cassette tapes through the mail the misfits right. after they'd broken up became a monster, monster hit. Yeah. They were just ahead of their time in the 70s playing, you know, these small clubs. And right. then, you know, later on they did get paid, which is good. But none of the other punk rock well, bands got one, paid. One thing that was interesting was that uh, uh, Jerry Only was with uh, uh, Sid Vicious. Yes. Like the day They before. were around then. They well, were... after Nancy, Nancy died... Right. He uh, he went to rehab or jail or whatever, and then like the like the day before he died, he had his mom threw a party, and Jerry only from the Misfits was at that. Yeah, party. you know a lot of a lot of people know that, but actually the uh, they, these guys were around the punk rock scene in 1977, 78, 76, 
at CBGB's and were around all those people and knew all those people. And the Misfits actually started out as kind of a goth band, kind of like Suicide. Mm -hmm. There was a band called Suicide who was generally considered a punk band, but they're a keyboard punk band, probably the first keyboard punk band. And Suicide, very abstract. And they were like that. Jerry, uh, uh, Glenn Danzig, in their first single, played keyboard and uh, played, uh, Jerry only played bass. And there was no guitar on the first single. And then they saw the Ramones, and then Glenn Danzig said yes, and that's how they started to play that, and they invented what's called horror punk, which is now a genre of uh, music where uh, everything is about horror movies, and their horror themes, instead of a horror movie, you have a horror song, mm -hmm. and a lot of the songs are based on you know, specific horror movies like Night of the Living Dead, and stuff like that. Well, like the Misfits symbol is, is actually from a, a classic movie, right? It's from a classic serial called uh, The Crimson Ghost. Okay. And serials were really great. They were in the 30s and 40s. They died out in the 50s. And what they were were these 15-minute uh, shorts. And they had usually some kind of spectacular thing like Radar Men from the Moon or Flash Gordon. And some of the first sci-fi stuff were serials. And there were like 15 or 12 episodes, some of them as many as 22 episodes. And what they would do is they would play them at the movie theaters before the main event, before the main movie, you know. Right. And then there'd be a cliffhanger at the end. So if you wanted to find out what happened to the Crimson Ghost or the Radar Men from the Moon, you would need to uh, come back the next week right. to see next week's movie. And I think by the 50s, they were knocked out by the double feature. Sure. And so uh, they, and then also by TV, uh -huh. but episodic kind of television started out at the movies. And now you can go onto YouTube and see all of these mm -hmm. serials. And I suggest you do, if you're listening, if you love old movies, go and just look up serials. And there's all kinds of wonderful ones. The there's Buck the Rogers. Shadow. Yeah. yeah, there's the Buck Rogers. There's the Shadow. There's some with Bell Lugosi. I was watching one with Bell Lugosi. Did quite a few of those serials, and then sometimes they would take the serials. They would have 12, 15 minutes episodes. And a lot of these are three, four hours, and they're all together. When you go onto YouTube and you find one, yeah. they're like it'll be like a four-hour-long YouTube. Uh, yeah, movie. For every single one of them. Yeah, and sometimes like, what they so used to do, you can binge watch them. Or you can binge watch them. It's the early. It's the first binge watching, right? So what yeah. they used to do um, is cut some of those down into a movie and then release it as a movie because okay. it had Bela Lugosi. There's an early Western serial with John Wayne in it. So when John Wayne became a big star, of course, they took his 15-episode Western serial that he was in when he was younger, cut it down into a movie, then released it as a movie starring John Wayne. I don't even think the serial was starring John Wayne because he wasn't that famous yet. But they're, they're, they're an interesting story. There was a Captain Marvel mm -hmm. serial. Captain Marvel was what you now know, if you're listening to this podcast, as Shazam. The Shazam movies, mm -hmm. that used to actually be a character called Captain Marvel. Okay. And he was bigger than Superman in the 40s. 
And what happened was uh, DC Comics sued the company that owned DC Comics owned Superman, and they sued the company that owned Captain Marvel and said that he was an imitation Superman and actually got it shut down. Mm-hmm. So there was no more Captain Marvel TV show or serials. There was no more Captain Marvel radio show or comic books. Mm-hmm. And then when that comic book company went under because they could no longer have Captain Marvel, what they did was they uh, it was bought by the company that owns Superman. So they own, they own Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know that in the mid-60s. And Stan Lee loved the name captain marvel so what he did and he was running marvel comics so what he did was when he knew the date where this name captain marvel got to be like expired expired the copyright it expired and so he had one a captain marvel comic book already made so he could have it out on the stands that day and claim or steal the name captain marvel so that's why you see Shazam now is Captain Marvel is the name for that character because it used to be that. So there's actually two Captain Marvel movies out because the Shazam movie and the Captain Marvel movie came out. Yeah, there was the Shazam. I saw the Shazam movie where the the kid became became Shazam. And then I saw the Captain Marvel one with the the one woman. Right. And what they've done is they've changed uh, the... Like the sexes for Captain right, Marvel. Right, they've sex changed Captain Marvel. And that's something they did in the comic books first. A lot of people don't complain they're doing that now. But it's actually stuff they've already done in the uh, in the comic books because they'll do anything in the comic books because they've done everything. They've had these characters since 1964. All of the famous Marvel characters, not all of them, but most of them were created in their early 60s, late 50s by a guy named Jack Kirby, and then he would give them to Stan Lee, and Stan Lee would kind of alter them a little bit and take credit for creating them. But they were all actually created by a guy named Jack Kirby. Okay. And like Spider-Man was created at another comic book company by a guy named Jack Kirby when he left, because he's the one that created uh, Captain America, which was the biggest Marvel character at the time in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And they he left because he wasn't getting paid. And they tried to form their own comic book company. And it's that comic book company that he created uh, Spider-Man. But they just ended up making him a villain called uh, Spider-Spry. And okay. so then Stan Lee, when uh, he came back to work at Marvel, Stan Lee stole it and gave it to a guy named... Uh, Steve Ditko, who created the complex visual language behind Spider-Man. But it was really weird when Spider-Man was created in the, in the 50s. Uh, the first Spider-Man comic, I think, came out of 63 or 64. But when Spider-Man was created, there was another guy who actually helped create him besides Jack Kirby. It was an editor. And I guess Jack Kirby still has, or his family, has in his archives the note. And it says, yeah, you know, about Spider-Man, he should uh, shoot. He shouldn't have a web gun. He should shoot webbing out of his hands Mm -hmm. instead of a gun. And he should also do more spider stuff like swing on a web and climb on walls. So this guy says, so Spider-Man was actually created by four people. Stan Lee, 
Jack Kirby, Richard Kratom, that unnamed, they do know, um, comic historians know who he is, and Steve Ditko, because four people have created Spider-Man, but when you go to see the movie, it says Spider-Man was created by uh, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, and what happened there was Steve Ditko heard that, who wasn't getting paid for Spider-Man, who's got no money from it, he got paid by the page when he was doing the first 30 Spider-Man comic books when he drew them in the early 60s. But he actually had to take money out of his pocket and sue to get his name put on the Spider-Man movies. And he died a few years ago. And yeah, he was same thing a, with Stan Lee. In fact, they talked about how uh, Stan Lee was just turned 100. If he would have been alive, then he would have been 100. Uh, I think it was last like a month or two ago it was his birthday. Yeah, well, you know, now it's been bought by Disney outright, and they're running it into the dirt, oh, and yeah, they'll they'll recover they'll it. But squeeze every every you know drop of blood right. that they well, can from. Same well, thing people, with Star Wars and everything else. They're like having you know these the preachy woke junk, and people don't want to see that. And their the movies are flopping. Captain Marvel was going to be a huge hit until that woman opened her mouth. Brie Larson started alienating the male audience that goes to see comic book movies and there's a disaster of uh some of that they have on tv like the hulk and it's preaching people do not go to see or she hulk people do not go to see comic book movies to get preached pc yeah junk well and that was something uh, i remember uh, a couple months ago a couple months ago jeremy paul was on stage and he talked about how, like, uh, you know, David Banner. Uh-huh. But it was also Bruce Banner. Right, in the so, movies. I yeah, mean, in the TV show. Yeah, it was David Banner, but it was Bruce Banner, or Bruce Banner in the TV show, but it was David Banner, I guess, in the comic book. And they no, it was, that was, it was the opposite. Or the other, other way around. Because they like to do that in comics. Peter Parker, Clark Kent, Bruce Banner, uh, they have names that are... They have the first, so you remember them. They're the first syllable the same. Mm -hmm. So they said, yeah, that it was gay, that it sounded gay. That Bruce Bruce Banner sounded gay, so they changed it to David Banner. Yeah, they, and he also talked about how, like, in the comic book, there was certain things that the Hulk was doing that was extremely uh, un-PC. Uh, and, uh, but they allowed it, you know, you know, he, he talked about being a kid and reading these comic books and how, right. Basically, uh, like, like she Hulk, how, like he basically forced her to, to, you know, make out with him and stuff <laughs> like that. So the Hulk, yeah, the Hulk. Yeah. I didn't he, see that one. Well, he, he was basically alluding that the Hulk was a crazy rapist in really basically, but, and they allowed it because, you know, there wasn't any. There was any standards or guidelines right. as long as you weren't cussing and showing any nudity. Right. It, you know, pretty much everything else was was uh, uh, able to able that, to do that. That'd be weird because it's Bruce Banner and that's his sister, I believe, or his cousin. So it'd be incestuous rape as well. So there's a yeah, there's a lot of examples of things that before things were PC, people would do these these weird things. Like there was this, the, there was a hit. A band called The Sweet, and they were glam rock in the yeah. early '60s. Yeah. And this was the music glam rock that turned into punk rock. And 
a lot of punk bands well, like now. Sweet, yeah, Sweet was very big in, in the 70s. And, and In England, they were huge. Yeah, I mean, you, you had Sparks, you had Sweet, you had Mud, you had, uh, um, I'm trying to think of some other ones, uh, Brian Eno. But the thing, the thing that Sweet did that was amazing, it used to be able to find it on YouTube, and now you can't find it anymore. I don't know why. But they, they were on these dance shows because they right. had top 40 singles. Yeah. And the bass Ball player yeah. dressed up as a tranny Adolf Hitler. So he had on these tights, these like vinyl tight pants mm -hmm. and uh, more like stockings. And then he had uh, high knee leather boots up to his knees. Mm -hmm. And he had a swastika armband. And he had on a bunch of makeup and lipstick. And a little Hitler mustache. So he was a transsexual Adolf Hitler. And this was just on television on a kid's well, like, dance show in the 70s. Yeah, top of the Pops. Top or, of the Pops or something like or that. Gray Whistle test. And you yeah. used to be able to find it on uh, on YouTube, but you can't find it anymore. It was just sad because why can't you make fun of Adolf Hitler? You know? Uh, was it, <laughs> did the trannies get offended and say, hey, what are you doing? Who got offended by that? I mean, come on. Well, well, getting back to Pantera, Pantera was was set to do some festivals in Germany, and unfortunately, they they dropped Pantera from there because Phil Anselmo did like the Zeke Heil salute. Oh, really? At, at like some show a couple years back, uh, he was drunk and, and apologized, but it didn't matter. Because of that, uh, that and and being in Germany and stuff, they just they put the kibosh on it. And you know, Zach Wild was basically filling in for you know uh, a dime bag there uh, on in terms of the guitar work and stuff. So they were very sensitive. They're very sensitive in Germany about that. Sure. But anyway, so this is thanks for being on on Pod Potatoes. Hopefully this. This episode won't get lost like the last one we did. Chris at Fumagalli, and he's yeah. you can see him at the Universal Bar and Grill on, what's yeah, the name of that street? A, pretty much Monday, uh, uh, Coenga and... Coenga. Uh, yeah, uh, Coenga and uh, um, Lancashire. Down the street from the, com what's it, the Ha Ha Cafe. Well, Ha Ha Cafe is down one way, and, well, along with the Comedy Chateau, and then and then Universal Studios, like the yes, main entrance. Yes, the Comedy Shithole, right down the street. So you can see, so you go there on Mondays, you can probably see Chris Fumagalli playing there. You can find you on uh, on TikTok now. You're doing some videos no, there. No, I, I'm not doing, I don't have a handle on TikTok. I don't necessarily want one, but um, I'm doing stuff with uh, like Kenny Lyon and Danny Archile. So Danny Archile is the one, like the video that I All showed right. you the other day. That that's So where can people find that? Uh, just go to TikTok and, and type in Danny Archile, uh, I think D-A-N-N-Y, uh, uh, A-R-C-H-I-L-E, or or also Kenny Lyon. You could probably go through him. I think he has a TikTok, vid, uh, TikTok handle. Instagram, I'm on uh, Fumigali Chris. That's F-U-M-A-G-A-L-L-I-C-H-R-I-S. And then... Uh, you could take that video, you could put it up on Instagram and on well, Facebook. I shared it, well, I shared it on my Facebook. And, and you know, I got a couple of my friends because I, I have a pretty small circle of friends. I've, I've got hundreds of comics that wanted to be friends with me, but I didn't want to spend hours going through my feed. So I only have like a, a select few. Like I have you as a friend. I have like Ryan Talmo as a friend. 
Uh, I recently friended Kenny Lyon and uh, I think Adam Fjordberg. I've I've friended uh, Dave Carter. So well, you can you can find me here. So you can send him a, a DM over there, and me. You can find me on at Mark Selzer, M-A-R-K-S-E-L-Z-E-R. That's on tw- the same as Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me also on Facebook. And if I don't friend you, it's because I have too many friends right now, but just uh, leave it there and I'll eventually be able to accept your friend request because I'll say something to offend a bunch of people and they will unfriend me. So um, the... But you can find me there and send me a DM and I'll probably be able to answer. And uh, if you want to be on Pot Potatoes, let me know. If you're in Vegas, also go to uh, Anchor, the Anchor app. Download the Anchor app and become a friend, a supporter of Pod Potatoes. You can pledge $5 a month there. And uh, I'd like to thank Mira Wilder for also being a sponsor of the show. We're going to have Mira on the show again. She's a funny comic. You can see Mira Wilder around. You can also see her at Spotlight Sundays. She's a star of Spotlight Sundays, and she is doing fantastic down there. I've had Chris where, where also they, on Spotlight Sundays. They, Sunday. Sunday. they Sunday. went back to the Lexington in downtown L.A. So that's back on. Okay. And I've been turning down that work because I'm in Nevada now, and he does not paying me enough to go down there. I've just only been taking paid gigs, but we'll... For, uh, because I had some medical issues. But anyway, thanks a lot. This is the, the end of Pod Potatoes. I hope you will contact me online. And we'll see you next time on Pod Potatoes. And thank you for being on the show, Chris Fumigali. You're very welcome, T.